When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to a Thursday edition of the PHLY Sixers podcast here alongside my partners, as always, following the day off for us, Derek Bodner, Kyle Newback, I'm Devon Givens, Brianna producing all of you, of course, out there watching and viewing in the chat. Always great to be with you. A lot to get to today following that day off. We're going to talk about Cookie Man. We got to talk about (laughs) Cookie Man already in the chat. Trust the process. Already (laughs) jumping in on him. Cookie Man needs to step up. While Melton is out, we'll we'll talk about him briefly a little bit later on in the show. DeAnthony Melton, we'll speak about him. Maybe a few other things with the arena that uh, has uh, perked up our ears a little bit, yours as well. But we have to start off with the big fella speaking for the first time to the media since his surgery in uh, early in January, right? Yeah, no, February. 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 Man, you're really. I'm off on that. Two shows in a row. I'm off on that one. February, the big fella speaks for the first time, and he had a lot to say. Both Kyle and Derek were, were at the uh, practice facility uh, as he as he spoke. And the first thing I asked Kyle when we got in here was, how was he walking, man? How, how did he look? How was he walking? He had the basketball. Saw him the other day, uh, you know, on the bench at the game, and he yeah. seemed like he was fine in terms of how he was walking. But I was just very curious. But he did speak today, and a lot came out of that, that, uh, that press availability there today for Joel Embiid. Some things that might give a lot of Sixer fans some hope when we've talked about it so much about his potential return, maybe late March, early April before the postseason. Kyle, starting with you, man, what was the uh, first thing that really uh, got, as you listened to what he was saying, seeing him walk, of course, all of that, but uh, what were some of the things that really stood out to you from Joel Embiid speaking today? Well, here's the first one, and it actually has nothing to do with his health. I thought if you're trying to say what's the most noteworthy thing he said, it's that he seemed happy with what they did at the deadline. Like if we're talking about real big picture stuff and what matters, Joel being healthy matters for this season, but Mm -hmm. Joel Embiid being happy and wanting to be here and feeling that the vision coming from the top is aligned with what he thinks needs to get done. Him being on board with Buddy Heald and Kyle Lowry and saying like, yeah, not only is he happy with those, but he said, that he thinks that they did the best that they could possibly do in the circumstances, that's an important endorsement to hear from him. And that sort of dovetails with everything we heard about him or from him about his health, right? Because if they had gone through the deadline and they don't get anyone or they make very marginal upgrades, which you could argue whether these are marginal upgrades or not between Heald and Lowry, but they made upgrades he's not happy with. And then he's sitting here today saying like, Oh, well, you know, I don't know if I want to rush back or we'll see how it goes. But the message from him is if I'm healthy enough to play, I will be out there. Like, I believe that I can drive winning. I believe in the team that we have. He he made comments toward the end about wanting to be present and available and, and talking to guys. And we'll get into the Tobias Harris component of that at some point. But the the overarching most important thing to me is that he still is bought all the way in, that his knee permitting, his health permitting, rehab and all that, he will be back this season. And now that's a big if, right? Like we all know Joel's knee and certainly lower body in general, he can't sit there and say, yeah, I'm going to be available on this date. Uh, And when I ramp up, he can't promise this is going to feel good or I'm going to be 100% or I'm going to be any percent for that matter. 
What he can say is this is my mindset. This is my attitude. This is what I want to do. And I think the commitment level that we heard from him was great to hear. It was important to hear. And I think it's also important for the whole team to hear, right? Like these guys are in the middle of a really tough run right now. Tobias has worn most of it. He's been probably the most noteworthy guy struggling right now. Mm-hmm. Buddy Heald, but but <laughs> Buddy Heald has struggled, and that has, has flown under the radar a little bit, admittedly, for a shorter amount of time. They've rarely gotten good minutes out of their backup center. They've, Kelly Oubre has been Kelly Oubre, which is to say he's been quite bad for a little bit here. And all these guys need to pick me up, right? Like, hey, eventually – the cavalry's coming. The big guy's coming to help everybody out. And so it's good for him to say that to them directly and show up and be at games and do all that. But for then for him to give the public signal, like, I'm here and I'm coming at some point as long as my body allows it. I just think that that's a, it's an important message as the leader of the team to send everybody. One of the things that jumps out, as you say, that that's the first thing that really caught your attention is about the, the moves being made and, and liking what, what the Sixers front office did in acquiring Buddy Hill campaign, Kyle Lowry, for what they did. When he does, if and when he does eventually return, is that while Maxie is Maxie, he's the all-star, again, the Tobias Harris, you know, whatever that piece is, it's that when he does come back, first of all, we shouldn't expect him to be the 35-point-per-game scorer when he returns as he's trying to ramp himself up to get to the postseason. So with it, if they do make it into the postseason as well, and they are in there, he's relying on these others to do other things, clearly, as as the additions that will do stuff to take some of that pressure off of him, take some of that responsibility off of him and Maxi, for that matter, and maybe even depending on, as we've talked about the struggles of Tobias Harris, that these are players that he has trust in that will do winning things, make winning plays, hit winning shots, make you know winning drives, winning defensive plays, take winning charges. Who, who knows whatever it may be, but just the overall overarching thing is something. They can do something that yeah. I, I'm not looking and I'm double teamed and I see player X over here who I just simply do not trust to throw the ball to. Yeah. Why would I make this pass when I can just do it myself and even my missed shot is better than their wide open shot? But with these players, he feels like they're good enough to, to come in and help out. And again, he doesn't have to do every single thing that he felt like outside of he and, and Tyrese Maxey. And, and that's important because we've talked about it as much as we have. Joel Embiid clearly watches our show for him to say all the things that he said <laughs> about his, his new teammates. But with it, it's just we can't expect him to do everything when he comes back because the meniscus thing is real. Uh, I was even uh, had a chance to speak to someone uh, about that particular injury when coming back. And we've talked about him, at least how I, you know, how it was explained to me. We, we should expect him to be on a minute restriction when he comes back and not have to ramp it up as much. So if he's out there in increments of, let's say, four or five minutes, they're still going to have to do things. And if he's playing 15 to 20 minutes, maybe as high as 25, these others are going to have to do some things. And for him to say that publicly He's not, and you've talked about it, Derek, where he's always been very good as a superstar and not getting in the way of things when it comes to the personnel additions. But for him to say that, of course, publicly, that is good to hear because for the most part, we've liked what we've seen despite the struggles as of late from Buddy Heal. Yeah, and I think that's sort of what I would expect it from Joe. I would expect that in part because I think he understands that a player of Buddy Heal's archetype is going to be very good for him. And, yeah. and likewise, he will be very good for Buddy Heal. But I also expect when Joe comes back after a couple of weeks of not talking to the media, he would be supportive in that regard anyway. And also, you just expect that he wants to play basketball. Like, as much as as fans might question, should they shut him down? And I've said this multiple times. I don't think this is the kind of injury where you need to go that cautious with it. In no way would I expect Joel Embiid to say, hey, you know what? I might have a 2% chance better of, of recovering from this injury if I miss a playoff run. That's just not how he's wired. He spent most of today's press conference. That's what these guys work for, right? It's to play in the playoffs. And especially a guy like Joel Embiid, you can talk about his playoff failures. He wants to prove that narrative wrong. Now, will he, won't he? That's what uh, will be fun to watch. That's why playoffs are great. You have a chance to rewrite it, but he believes that he will, that he can, uh, and he wants the shot to do that. You wouldn't expect him to almost say anything else, but I do earnestly believe that he believes Buddy Heald is going to be great for him, and that's a good addition for him. I don't doubt that at all. And, And look, I think the Lowry thing... Lowry's further down the pecking order, right? But he's played a ton since he's gotten here. 
and I think Joel has seen, you know, the the leadership from him, the the connectivity that he provides on offense, all that. And I think he he at least sounded excited about the prospect of playing with Lowry. Because like, look, Lowry's skill set also works really well with Joel. It's not the same amount of synergy as playing with Buddy, where you can run the two man game and do the things that he did with JJ, with Seth and, and other guys that he's played with in the past. But Lowry as just like a, a guy you play in a four out one in offense, a willing catch and shoot guy, someone who can drive and hit those little drop off passes, make some plays in transition, et cetera, et cetera. I think he certainly sees the value in that too. And so I, I just, I think another thing that jumped out while we're on the subject was he, the subject was broached about, you know, did you feel pressure to play based on the outside dialogue? I know we talked a lot about the Denver game and the mm-hmm. fallout from that and what have you. And, and he dismissed that basically out of hand and then went on to say, as he's talking about stat thresholds and not being able to be MVP, all NBA, whatever. One of the things that he said, which I think is really important for people to hear is that Look, like the stats are all well and good, but the important thing is that they're leading to winning, right? Like if he was just a, a guy who's putting up stats and the team's like 500 with him on the floor, it's like, well, to what end? And his point was, yes, I'm getting those stats, but the, the thing is they're driving the team. The, we are winning with me playing this way. And so there's that feedback loop like, okay, we keep winning. I can keep playing this way. And if I don't think he's you know, pig-headed enough, selfish enough, stubborn enough to, if he was putting up numbers on this team this year, despite being less than 100%, and they're losing, I think Joel is introspective enough to say, all right, Nick, all right, Tyrese, all right, Tobias, whoever, we got to figure out a different way, a different plan, and not play through me as much. And so I, I that's one of the things that always gets lost. Like, Joel is a ball-dominant player and mm-hmm. has succeeded as the hub of the offense, all this stuff. And it's allowed certain people to paint him a certain way. At the end of the day, he wants to win. Like all guys who are star level players want to win and have their numbers and touches and whatever. But don't ever get it confused that Joel wants to win first and foremost. Like that is what is at the top of his mind. It's why like the way that I think you see that manifest the most is just the effort that he gives on defense and the way that he's able to prop up this group in spite of being the league's leading scorer for it would have been three years in a row officially, but will be two and an unofficial three this season. I think you see that from him. And so I want people to hear that, that that was one of the things he said today. Like, look, the scoring titles and all that is nice. And I want to go for things like that if I'm available but none of it matters if it's not connected to and driving winning. That is his number one concern, and it's why he wants to come back. He thinks even if he's less than 100% that he can help this team. And the only re- only reason for him to come back now, to your point, is the playoffs and trying to win a championship. He, he's, he's not qualified anymore for any of those individual yeah. acknowledgments from the league, whether it's the scoring title, the all-NBA, all-defense, certainly the MVP. That's the only reason for him to come back. The only, the only question I would ask if I were to go to the other side on this one, just simply because you've, we've heard it for so many years. He's played this many years with the Dirk's Sixers. Dirk's choked up. He's so happy it, that Joel's back. <laughs> is, you know, just simply <clears throat> looking at it and saying, there you are people, You don't have to cry, though. Derek. I know. It's a very emotional <laughs> day. Bree might want to cut my mic for a minute. You're choking <laughs> on some water. There are people, though, who still look at him and say, though, Kyle, after everything that you just said, and many people believe in what you say, but that he is selfish because of how they play, because of how he plays. There's nothing you can do about it. And it may not even really be anything that he can do about it except simply win the basketball series to get to first the Eastern Conference Finals and then the NBA Finals. There are plenty of people who still say he's very, very selfish. And it's just a view that I fundamentally disagree with, right? Like, does Joel, as the hub of the offense, get tunnel vision at times? Yes, he has also proven he is one of the great scorers the game has and has ever had. He's got the skill set to justify playing with tunnel vision. Like we can, it's completely fair to say with Joel as the best player, 
they have not delivered in the playoffs to the degree they should have. Like Devon, you and I are talking shortly before the podcast about George Niang's appearance on, on Woj's pod and yep. saying like, felt that last year was a his, his second most prominent podcast appearance in the last week. <laughs> he felt like it was exactly. a missed opportunity and that they had the talent to win it all. And like, I agreed with that. I thought the way that they were set up last year, that they had enough. And certainly you go into game six at home against the team that we thought was the best team in the East. And if you slay the Boston dragon, then it kind of all opens up for you. Now, Doc Rivers against Eric Spolstra in the conference finals would have been, you know. Yeah, sure. As the kids would say, a movie. <laughs> uh, or maybe the opposite, maybe a horror movie. Right, right. But if they have been able to do that, then the whole thing opens up. It's Joel versus Jokic in the finals, all that, and, and lots of hypotheticals. It's completely fair to say Joel has not delivered when it mattered. We can argue over the reasons for it. I'm not... I will never say it's because he's selfish, right? Like Joel right. has adapted. Joel has changed his game. When Joel needed to play off of Ben Simmons, he adapted how he played. When it became the Joel Embiid show and they needed to figure out how to cut down turnovers and do different things, Joel moved to the elbow and he got better and the team got better along with him. And it allowed him to be a pick and roll partner for James Harden. Like that was the knock on him for a long time. Well, Joel is not a pick and roll guy. Joel can't play with a, a guy like that. Well, James Harden comes here and it works right away. And then it's, well, Tyrese Maxey can't be a point guard. And okay, well, Joel Embiid figured out how to be a great partner for him too. So he keeps fitting with really different archetypes of players and guys are going to have great seasons with him. Ben Simmons had best ever seasons with, with him. James Harden, after being, you know, has been very good, and I'm not going to say it's his best season, but he bounced back in a big way playing next to Joel Embiid after people were like, what does Harden have left? Now Tyrese, having, he's on the ascent playing J. J. with Joel Reddick, Embiid. Seth Curry. JJ, like so many guys have been able to succeed and, and benefit from playing next to this guy. So the idea that he's selfish or that it's all about Joel and it's not about the team and it's not about other guys, like, I just simply, I don't believe that. I reject that premise. And anyway, that ties into yeah. what I was saying about. I mean, sometimes Joel getting shots is also what's best for the team. That Correct. Doesn't make it. It's like Kyle. When Kyle talks for 40 minutes of a 60-minute show, it's not because he's selfish. <laughs> it's because that's what's best for the show. At least some people believe that. No, well, I don't know how many people <laughs> Kyle believe that. Kyle wants his screen that. time. We all know that. We discussed oh. that a couple weeks ago. Well, not all of us are choking on our water <laughs> during true. the show. I, so. I can't drink water, so here we go. Um <laughs> No, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, and I think your point is right. Whenever you see a high usage player, a high score, that narrative is always going to be out there, especially because I'm not going to say he doesn't, doesn't care about stats or streaks or any, or MVP awards, even if he will swear he doesn't, but that comes along with being a great player. Uh, everything he does, it's not like he doesn't play defense or he doesn't pass the ball. He's embraced passing more than he ever has. And to your point, yeah, the playoff results haven't been there. I just want to point out, Last year, he was going against the best defense in the league with P.J. Tucker. Do you remember the last time P.J. Tucker scored in an NBA game? Wow. That's That's a, I question. saw his last nine games. He's got offers. So. November 14th. And was those last here? nine games were no. spread across oh. a long period yeah. of time. <laughs> nine straight games without scoring. He has 14 points in like 210 minutes on the season. He is not an NBA offensive player anymore. Not even close. You are legitimately, as legitimately as you can get playing four on five with him on the floor. He, Joel Embiid was going up against Boston with him and Tobias Harris in the starting lineup. <laughs> we can go to Markel Fultz not shooting. We can go to Ben Simmons on, on that tragic circumstance. All of this, he has been, we mentioned it the other day, $70 million to Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris. I just want to see a well-constructed team around Joel Embiid so we can better analyze whether or not he can elevate his, his play or at least maintain his play in the playoffs because, quite frankly, like some of the sporting pieces here, and I think a lot of people are starting to realize it with Tobias now, it just hasn't been good enough. It has outside of that 2019 year, it has not been a championship level supporting cast around Joel Embiid. And yet he has not been good enough. Injuries, his level of play, whether that's his processing speed in the playoffs, they're all fair criticisms. But man, I just want to see one time where we can actually have a team built around him that makes sense and him healthy just so we can test a hypothesis. That's all. That's all. Well, I have I have a question kind of spawning off of that um, when we come back. Joel said a lot more in the in the uh, yes, availability earlier today. We'll get into that. I do have a question that I'm going to ask, but we'll do that when we get back. 
uh, right after this. Well, guys, from day to day annoyances to the big stuff, like having to wait for the seven foot tall center to return from a meniscus injury as you're watching the Sixers flounder against good teams in the Eastern Come on, Conference. Joel. It's easy to get worked up and stressed about your day-to-day life, even your hobbies, like following the Sixers. But there is a better way and a chiller way. When you walk out of the Wells Fargo Center mad, the Sixers blew another lead, Mm. or that you had to watch Crumble Cookie Man (laughs) stink it up out there, (laughs) you can choose chill by reaching for an ice-cold Coors Light. We got some Coors Light in front of us right now. And guys, with Coors Light, you know you're getting an ice-cold beer because the mountains turn blue on the bottles and cans when they hit that perfect temperature. When I'm done playing, you know, a little summer pickup game, we're going to hopefully play some pickup games once it gets warm I'll be out back here in the summer. In Philadelphia, Devon's off the injury report. When you come off the floor after a long run, you played a few games, you've been on the winner's court, and you pull something out of the, maybe you got a cooler, a backpack, and you see that blue Rocky Mountain on the Coors Light bottle, it's a great feeling to know you're getting a cold beer before it even touches your hand. Coors Light is a cold-layered, cold-filtered, and cold-packaged beer for a smooth finish. It is mountain-cold refreshment. So like I always say, even if the state of Colorado doesn't like me too much because I don't like the Denver Nuggets fan base too much, I can still choose chill with a crisp and refreshing beer. And when you choose to rise above it all, choose chill, choose Coors Light, Get Coors Light delivered straight to your door with Instacart by going to CoorsLight.com slash P-H-L-Y basketball. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I like how you you bring up your rant against Colorado during a choose chill segment because you yeah. might have been there. maybe you could have used Some the course like there be and chilled me, out a little I'm bit. I'm still gonna choose chill, you know. <laughs> Put your feet That's up. That's how it goes. Put your feet up and just relax. Well, I have to tell you before we get back to some of the hoops conversation, I have to tell you about. I was talking to my daughters, and I was even talking to my daughter last night about a show that she and her best friend and my other kid wants to go to. At State College, that's Drake coming to the area in March. So they were like, Dad, we have to find these tickets. All this. I'm like, oh, this, this, she, she attends Penn State. Does she get a little breakdown on the tickets? No. Well, guess what? You know you can go to no, get a student great ticket? Deal. Come on, Nothing. Man. Come on. Nothing. How dare they? How dare they? Paying enough intuition Come there. on. But that being said, if you do want to find out where you can maybe get a seat, what the view in the arena looks like, and how much that ticket might be, and how you might be able to sign up and get $20 off as a first-time PHLY uh, person jumping into those tickets. You can go to our friends at Game Time. I'm making sure the kids go to Game Time and check out Game Time for buying tickets. Shouldn't be stressful at all. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be, but it has been in the past with so many others. That's why you go to Game Time, the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, comedy, and theater, plus music, as I'm talking about Drake here, near you, with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over all the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun that you will have. Again, images of the seat views in the arena, flash deals on last-minute tickets, easy to find and buy those tickets for every kind of event in your area, even if it's not just here, you can go up to State College three hours away and still know exactly what you're getting into with the great people from Game Time, lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, he better not, job loss protection, et cetera. Game Time is the place for those last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance, even though I want to for this one because that's a big ticket. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Could be for a basketball game like tomorrow where Philadelphia hosts Charlotte. Maybe you want to do that tomorrow. It's the weekend. Weather's cooperating with you. Might be able to see a Sixers win. Go get that W against that awful team. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The game time guarantee means you'll also always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Sign up right now, again, using code PHLY for $20 off of your first purchase if you want to buy those tickets. And uh, download the GameTime app, create an account, and that's how you take advantage of that $20 off and redeeming that code. Terms apply. Make sure you create the account. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We got a personal GameTime endorsement from Ricky Council the Fourth. Rick. In the chat. You I shop see at Rick? Game Time for tickets for the fam. It's the real deal. That's right. Can't, again, can't confirm or deny if that's the real Ricky Council the Fourth, but... And- 
to be fair, he wouldn't have to be worried about the best deals if they would just convert him to a gosh darn NBA contract. Get on that, Daryl. Uh, look look at what Rick said at the bottom. See, the unofficial. Go get him, Devon. The unofficial Ricky <laughs> Council show here. Go get him, Rick. Getting some good minutes there. I hope to see him on the floor against that awful team tomorrow. Don't go on one of those terrible players of the opposite side. Maybe Grant Williams. Don't go on him. He's annoying. All right. I, I did uh, have that's to. why he got traded, allegedly. <laughs> so right. um, Dallas was sick of him already. Already annoying in the Charlotte uniform, too, getting into fights and stuff. All right. I, I did have a question quickly before we jump into the other stuff with what Embiid had to say. Since you brought up the uh, exit against Boston, up 3-2 at home, game six, it looked really promising that they were going to knock off the uh, top team in the East. And then Derek, you brought up 2019. And then we had a question in here. Uh, did we overrate the 2019 team for, for you? Covering the team as long as you have Kyle start with you and we'll get to Derek, get his thoughts. What's the what's the one that not hurts, of course, because you, you're just looking at it as, as an objective journalist and being around the team. Which one do you feel like was the worst one that they had in terms of their exits in the second round? Well, the worst one is the Hawks loss, right? Like even if we say that team wasn't quite as good and when you look at how many minutes Furkan Korkmaz played and – Tyrese wasn't there yet, and Ben was a ticking time bomb. You're probably mm -hmm. not beating the elite teams with him in the state he was in. They still should have at least made the conference finals. Like when, at least, at least 2019, you lose to the title winner, and it's on a crazy shot, sure. right? Like you, yeah, you unloaded the clip, and Joel wasn't healthy. He was sick during the series, didn't play well. But it, that was just like, look, it, it happens. It's a tight series. You lost a coin flip, whatever. That that happens. The Hawks series was disgraceful. They every, were much better than that team. Every other year that they've lost in the second round, they've lost to legitimately very good basketball mm -hmm. teams. Basketball teams that you would look at and say they were the better team. Maybe we didn't know that at the time about the Raptors, uh, but that was all of them were very, very good basketball teams to the point where one of them won a championship. That was the one where you had, a, a, if, if you say, well, they've never made it to the conference finals the one that you look at is, well, they had the Washington freaking Wizards and the Atlanta Hawks lined up. All they had to do was be competent two series in a row, and they would at least have one conference finals run. I still think Atlanta is below 500 ever since that game or since that series. It, ruined, just, it ruined their trajectory because they thought they were as good as they were from beating the Sixers. Trey Young came out the next year and said, man, I, I think the regular season's boring now. Like, yep. Bro, you've been under 500 mm -hmm. since then. That's you ridiculous. Gotta, you got to try to actually and, consistently make the playoffs before you say some shit like and that. And also, losing to the Hawks was equally ridiculous. Uh, that one was by far. It's not even close. Yeah. And, like, if we're, we're talking about avoiding it, too, you basically threw away game one because you left Danny Green on Trey for the entire game, even if you wanted to come in with that plan and you could have switched it at halftime and said, hey, we need to put out the fire. Nope, didn't do that. So you throw away game one, and then the all-timer was the game five collapse. That was just Terrible. unacceptably Terrible. bad. And so that's two games in the series that you just gave away. We can say, hey, they lost tight games to Boston. They should have won game six at home. That was a golden opportunity. At least that one, though, like Jason Tatum out-executed them down the stretch. That's in spite of the fact that they defended Jason Tatum well for three quarters of that game, like played really good on defense. Whatever you say about Joel Embiid didn't get enough touches, which is what Doc Rivers said uh, the other night when he, or the other afternoon when he was here and D'Anthony Melton missed a bunch of threes, whatever. It wasn't God, a complete even, collapse. And it was three and a half quarters yes. of that good defense. They kept saying they, they played well defensively. It was the five minutes of the fourth quarter. So at least you could say like, okay, that's a performance you can stand behind. Is it frustrating? Yes. Was it a choke? No. The the choke job is in game seven where they completely fell apart, and that's a different conversation. But the Atlanta series is a completely different beast from any of those. So that's the worst loss. I you. do think to the, the one question that was asked, I do think 2019 they had the most top-end talent. I don't know that it was the best team just because James Ennis was your sixth most important guy. Yeah. You had, but you, you had a loaded, really, really loaded, loaded through starting five. five. Yeah, yes. you were top heavy. So yes. yeah, so that was that was allowed because those guys were going to play. Every one of them were going to play thirty to thirty-five minutes and maybe even close to forty. Yeah. So when you're top heavy like that, you're going to have to give up some things on the back end, and and they did. From, and Joel wasn't as good. Then. No, he like wasn't. we can we can say like Joel. It, it, 
at but the level he's at last year. Probably I would have loved to have seen Jimmy Butler, though, what we see him do with Miami in these, in these situations. Had they gotten to that Eastern Conference final and Joel sure. not being there yet, could Jimmy Butler had turned it up that way? The same way we saw him not shooting in the middle of the regular season and like, what the hell is going on with Jimmy Butler? Yeah. And then he turns it up. And then Ben Simmons, maybe that was a good matchup for him potentially in the Eastern Conference Finals. But that that one was that was tough. But I agree with you. The Hawks series, because of game one, game five specifically, being up as much as you were in game five and to give that give that up like that, man, that, that was unacceptable. And then everything just spiraled from there. Tyrese Maxey basically having to get save game six. And then the game seven where Seth Curry had to be in and out of the game because Kevin Herter was cooking his ass. And then you have uh, Ben Simmons missing, the, you know, the shot. How do shot. we get on this tangent? Uh, I don't know. want to think about yeah, that series I know. anymore. I know, but no, that was, that was the one, the Atlanta Hawks one. All right, Derek, more stuff from today from Joel Embiid. Uh, some other things that stood out to you. He talked about the Olympics as well. Yep. And that was a big piece of it and making sense of, of, of it all. Yeah, I mean, he, he's still... Newsflash, still plans on playing in the Olympics if he's healthy and good to go. I don't think anybody Surprise. otherwise. And I think probably the one that's going to get the most attention is he said for months, two months, he was not right. He was yeah. playing at 60, 70%, um, and he was still able to do what he was able to do. But he felt you know pressure to go out there and try to win. Uh, he, he mentioned specifically leading up to that Golden State game that they had lost a couple games in a row. The players were out of the lineup. But his knee was bothering him beforehand. And... You know, I think that's something we all, I mean, we all had eyes. We all watched it. He was missing games because of soreness. We had, but it sounded like he was not well and not right for quite a while beforehand. And I think if you're looking for some sort of, you know, reassurance or at least a silver lining here, it's maybe that procedure and this time off has a chance to get him right and better than he was for quite a while before that injury happened. And if he comes back in enough time where he can ramp back up, you have a long enough ramp because it's a season of ramps to get him back up to where he needs to be. Maybe they have a better chance. We need to get a ramp for in here. We and really do. I can't skateboard, but maybe no, we'll you learn. don't want. Nope. 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 I do not need to even try that. I like all of my bones not broken. I'm way too old for that. But you're a nonsense. snowboarder basically the twice same. a year, twice a year. Okay. But uh, I think that's probably what's going to get the most attention and probably rightfully so. Here's the other, what was the other, I had a, thought in my head related to that and now i i think i lost Asking it me all but. the time buddy to the olympic piece or the piece of him no just taking his time coming back sitting out watching the two-month piece mm -hmm. is so i asked him directly was there any thought to go in the rest and rehab route rather than the procedure and he yeah. essentially came out and said there was no this is the only real option yep which dovetails with the two month thing, right? Like I think in his mind and I guess the doctor's mind, he said he saw, talked to, what was it? Like five specialists yep. about uh, what he should do. And the view must have been, Hey, we've tried to get me right and get back on the right track. And this has been maybe not a constant concern, but a lingering problem. It's been up and down and it flares up and there are issues. So let's just, get it done and take me out for as long as is necessary to get me right and see where we're at at the end of the season. So I thought that was noteworthy because I know there was some discussion like, well, what is he going to do or what should they do? And he made it sound like it wasn't much of a debate basically at all. That's important because when he had the injury to his knees before and we see him go through the playoffs and then you go into the off season and never hear about any surgery and wondering if he's going to get any procedure done to correct these issues because the option was surgery or non-surgery, and this is the offseason, he'd decide no surgery and just heal up and rest and rehab. That's important because right now, as you said a little bit earlier too, that he wants to be back and win. There are no individual accolades available to him. It's just strictly about winning the championship. So, you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes from there. We also had a super chat uh, a little bit earlier that we want to jump into, and Mark Jackson which Mark Jackson? Mark Jackson, the the, the former Nick, or Mark Jackson? Well, I mean, it's Temple Mark K. Jackson's M A R C, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. M A R C. Yeah. yeah. So, all right, this is this is the other Mark Jackson. The I mean, other other Mark the, Jackson that guided the Golden Thank State. Thank you, Mark. Oh, there goes that man. <laughs> if Kelly Oubre's <laughs> basketball IQ was a little higher, he would be so much more beneficial to the basketball huh. If team. only somebody had mentioned that before the if season. If I was seven inches taller, I'd be a better basketball player too. So that's 
Look, this you're is not wrong, Mark. This not is at something all, Mark. Kyle Thank and I you. said a lot leading up to the season, and then he had like two weeks of good play, and everybody wanted an apology from all of us. Turns out we might have been a little bit right on this one. That's who he is. That's why he can score 20 and be on a minimum contract. That's why he can score 20 last year, and uh, we're kind of sick of watching him right now. His decision-making has always been his number one, number two, number three, and number four problem. He's going to have 25 tomorrow night against the Charlotte Hornets. Probably. And drive us crazy. On 26 shots and have zero assists and three turnovers. Last time he did that, he was like nine, 10 for 14, 20-plus and, and help them lead to a win. Uh, Davon, a.k.a. Schoolboy Beats, says co-worker of his, called Nick Nurse Doc D'Antoni. Eh. D'Antoni, you know, running, gun, get up and down the floor. They're, they're totally different. I don't know, co-worker. I don't know, Davon. You might have to talk to the co-worker about that one. That wasn't <laughs> all that. That didn't work. I don't, I don't know if that one, that one hit that It's not well. going to stick. That's not going to stick. Not, nah, not no one all. will accuse Doc of being the offensive innovator <laughs> that Mike D'Antoni was in the, the early 2000s. So we'll put it that way. We have to get into a little bit more about D'Anthony Melton. Also, we'll do that in just a, a bit. We'll talk about and be with the you know Olympics and all, all, all of that. Uh, you know who's in a, the, basically an Olympic champion in my, my mind? Who? Our friends at Bagels & Co. who oh, offer us huge Need a bagel. Brooklyn-style bagels made no right eggs. here in Philadelphia. I eat bagels several days a week. Bagels & Co. offers an average of around 15 to 20 types of bagels, and they rotate seasonally. Guys, we've got multiple holidays that could be themes coming up. Got St. Patrick's Day, which is really at this point, as an Irish person, just a drinking holiday, but <laughs> we take those. You also got Easter. You got some other fun stuff coming up. So keep an eye out for some themed bagels from these guys. And look, if you're a cream cheese guy or gal like I am, they offer 30 different flavors of cream cheese that rotate all throughout the year. They have themed cream cheeses for all the local sports teams. So the Sixers, I don't know what theirs tastes like right now. I'm going to have to check that out next time I head in. But they also, look, Phillies are on the way. Philly steamed cream cheese, get in the spirit, spring training. I know we got the gang heading down there for some shows Don't steal in water. Sorry. Spot. Come on, man. Listen, that's, that's just how it just goes around here, out. buddy. Just as important as that variety in the bagels and the cream cheese is the affordability. And Bagels & Co. has kept their prices down. So you can be an everyday customer, not just someone who comes in for a weekend splurge. They even offer premium coffee at a superior price most of the national brands and chains so you can get high quality without getting ripped off we love that so for the best brooklyn style bagels and that premium coffee made right here in philadelphia head to www.thebagelsandco.com store dash locator to find the closest bagels and co near you Got Ricky Council bringing up the Oreo bagel in the chat. What I, have, I have not tried that, but that might have to be I'm a stop. I have not seen that or tried it, I'm but I'm there. No? Uh, Oreo? You, you you get me. I'll give it a shot. Sure. Just to see. I got to see if it's That's good just now. Pure I mean, if Bagels and Co. did it, I would try it, but I'm just pure, very curious on how that one goes. So you, can put, you can put some form of cookie in almost anything for me, and I'm in. I'm in. All right, deal. All right. Uh, we also want to make sure Kyle alluded to it. We also want to make sure we tell you about some of our trips coming up. There is the spring training tip trip that we are doing with Philly Sports Trip. Baseball. From March 13th through March 18th. Uh, they have sold, Philly Sports Trip has over 240 tickets so far. So you, if you want to go there, you better act quickly. Go hang out with Charlie Manuel at Clearwater Beach. Uh, we also want to make sure that we tell you about a PHLY hockey takeover, March 14th against the, against the Toronto Maple Leafs. If you're interested in any of those two, go to allphly.com slash events. Check those out. Like I said, that that. The, the spring training trip looks fantastic. I need to get Vince to like get us on. Going that trip to Florida in March. Middle of March. Look, great. I know the weather seems okay <laughs> now. It's better in Florida. I can promise you that. You hang out with Phillies fans. You hang out with Charlie Manuel. That sounds legitimately like I wish we didn't have a basketball schedule, or I would go on that myself. What can you do? Oh, I'm I'm about to look up the Sixers schedule now and see where they are because <laughs> Devon might have a couple of sick days in a couple of weeks. <laughs> no, I might be on a, a spring break, quote unquote. No, quite I just soon, so. I, I just simply mean because if the Sixers are on the road, we can do shows. That the the cameras and all will be there already. We can do shows from there, yeah, post game shows, the from road games. You know what I'm saying? Breeze, they will have it. iPhones. We'll make exactly. It work. <laughs> yeah, we'll be fine. We can get that done. Um, but 
I think we got to take it. We got to take a, a group trip to. The, you guys went for the playoffs, didn't you? Was it playoffs? Yeah, for playoff? Yeah, playoff game. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was out. It was, it was the last happy moment of that season, but we won't mention that. That was rough. That was <laughs> what rough. can you do? Yeah, what can you do? All right, man. DeAnthony Melton. Any update on DeAnthony Melton? And Derek will be your point person on this because while I was cutting up some Joel Embiid. Sound and video, I believe that's when we got our Nick Nurse update on D'Anthony today. What yeah, it wasn't, it? it wasn't great. Wasn't it wasn't great. great. Uh, so D'Anthony Melton is out. Nick Nurse isn't sure for how long, uh, and he was not pra- practicing today, obviously. Um, so it wasn't so a no good detailed news. update, but if Nick isn't sure for how long, that doesn't sound like the initial readings were great, but we'll see. And again, that is a back injury that he's been dealing with for quite a while now, uh, back spasms. Uh, we'll see where it goes. Yeah. So the I, only good news is that they have more guard depth than they did yep. early in the season. The flip side of it is what we talked about the other night, right? Where campaign has been very good, at least in spurts, right? Like he's had some down performances like everybody else, but he's been better than I think we would have expected when he came here. Unfortunately, he just has nothing really to offer defensively and replacing DeAnthony in that way. Like if you're saying, hey, he's going to take some of his minutes, that's a problem. He has nowhere near the versatility or just the general aptitude on defense that DeAnthony does. So you're not making up for it there. You basically just got to hope he's going to provide the offensive value to make it work. And then Kyle Lowry, who has been – Pretty good. Has had some down moments for sure. He's going to get leaned on heavily. The thing I'm concerned about there is less him being good enough to be a rotation guy and more about what we talked about when he came here, right? Like the whole thing was try to keep Lowry fresh and healthy and all that for the playoffs and the stretch run. And he's now going to essentially have to play a pretty big role, right? Like they don't have the choice of, you can't sit Lowry and say, I don't know, play KJ Martin or somebody as a off guard. Like there, there's yeah. just no one who can play that sort of connective offensive role that Lowry does. And I worry that he's going to play too many minutes. And by the time we get to mid April, when they really need him, be a little too much tread on those tires. Well, that just that just leans right into back back into our conversation when we talked about the other night after the game on Tuesday and the loss to Boston where Tobias Harris was so bad. So yes, you have the guard play where the depth is much better, but you still need that guy to step up and and do much better things. And that'll lead into the other part of Joel Embiid for both of you to talk about what he had to say. But if Tobias Harris can, here we go again, if he can, um, then that does take a lot of pressure off of those other guys with that guard depth because the flexibility of the lineup where we've seen these different combinations from Nick Nurse from what he's doing with one through five and not all of it meaning one, two, three, four, five in terms of positionally, but just throwing guys out there to seem like they can get some things done. We've seen lineups where it's three guards and four guards and a big and it has worked. They desperately need him to be the player to offset some of the stuff that DeAnthony Melton is not going to be able to provide when he's when he, he can't have his number called because he has to sit out this game or maybe sit out two games or three games or an entire week versus what Tobias Harris, who's available all the time, he has to has to give something to again. Yeah, the good make news this is easier. Tobias is a beacon of consistency, so we can we can he's certainly been pretty consistent, <laughs> consistently bad. Yeah, and that's why that's why the big fella talked about him today, right? Sure, sure. I mean, look, Joe is going to... He had to to have a sit-down, man, a powwow. Joe claimed he talked to Tobias for about an hour. A powwow, man. Trying to get through with him. I mean, Joe's been talking to him for five years, so I'm not sure what one more conversation is going to do, but... Oh, actually, so... He's a different leader now. We have a person claiming to be Tobias Harris in the chat. I don't believe this one. What up, Toby? Who says, I just need a standing ovation. (laughs) So this has been a source of some debate. This I did want to get into this at some point. Source of some debate on, at least on Twitter. It's pretty contained. About the idea of giving him the Trey Turner treatment. Yeah, well, I was just going to say that. The last time this was a self-contained Twitter debate, it actually turned into a thing at the arena. Yeah, but we're also talking about a guy who's an actual all-pro in his sport, Trey Turner, like MVP conversation. 
Where, hey, that's a hundred eighty million dollar man, Tobias Harris. You're talking about, yeah, well, three hundred million dollar man, and he stepped up to the plate literally after that and did what he did for the second half of the season, going into the postseason. It might have a different type of effect because of the mental capacity that we talk about with guys and how they accept certain things and how they're treated. I don't know that that's going to work out for Tobias Harris because even when Trey Turner was going through that, Tobias has been there before with the crowd. And he was saying, stay on that side when, when they were booing him before. So now that they're going to cheer, he's going to look at that and say, all right, now you guys are being condescending. I, I, I don't know what he's going to say, but he has told us that he's a sniper. He's a, you know, he's a, a, a guy who can shoot the ball. Whatever terms he used to call himself is this great shooter, the assassin An scorer. assassin scorer. Yeah, that he was. I don't think he's going to take a, a, an ovation the same way that Trey Turner did last season. I mean, frankly, I don't think it matters how he takes it. I think he just, he's not, he hasn't been good enough, right? Like, that's the it thing. It does it's matter like, because how are you going to react to it? You're not, he's not going to perform guess, the same like, way. The that's how it matters. Trey Turner's baseline is higher in his field than, yes. than Tobias Harris's is. So, like, that's really, here's here's what I'm going to say. Trey Turner give, gave Philly fans credit and all that and, like, played it up. I was like, thank you so much for that. It didn't really matter that much. Like, what mattered is Trey Turner playing closer to his career average than he was beforehand. I'm not trying to take anything. It was a cool moment that I was like, I mocked ahead of time. And then it was like, you know, he goes on a run and it's all well and good. But like, end of the day, the rah-rah stuff only goes so far. So even if Tobias were to get a standing O and he has a good week and it's like, yeah, lifting my sails, like, after that, he's still Tobias Harris, and he still has the same pitfalls as a player that he had yesterday, that he'll have tomorrow, that he'll have a month from now. So I get it. Like I'm not shaming anyone who their way of trying to prop a player up is to say, you're going through a tough time. You're hearing it from fans. You're hearing it from the media. I'm going to try to give you some peace of mind. And look, like Tobias has also said publicly, that like the mental side of the game is important, that he's gone through tough mental stretches in seasons past, whether it's his role or roster configuration or he's just shooting poorly, whatever it is. I don't think it's a crazy idea. I just like, does it ultimately matter? Is giving Tobias a standing ovation on Friday against Charlotte going to mean anything when they get to round two, if they get to round two based on health and everything else? Fuck no. Well, wait like, a minute. What when matters are, when is are they Tobias. giving him the standing ovation? Because during introductions, lights off, all that stuff, they call the next name. It's not even there's not even You're gonna be enough it. time. It's not like he's to gonna walk up it. to a plate like a baseball game. No, it's not. Yeah. No. And even if he hits his first shot, nobody's gonna stand up. It's gotta be more of like a free throw line. Right. Yeah. So I mean, whatever, man. But let's, let's we're, we're past that stuff with him, man. Just go out there and play. To Kyle's point. Just go hoop, man. You don't need fix, to stand an ovation. If fixing a struggling athlete was as easy as giving them a standing ovation, everyone would do it, and there would be no struggling athletes. That's not the way it works. Like you give Trey Turner credit because he got that. Maybe that gave him a little bit of a jolt of energy, a little boost of confidence, and then he ran on it. Like yes, the fans. I give the fans a lot of credit because I think yeah, booing is a little cool. bit overrated at times, especially when you're. You know, I think it makes sense to boo um, effort and focus and things like that. But when you're trying and just not succeeding, I don't necessarily think we have to boo as And quite frankly, Philly's changed. I don't think we do boo as much as we used to. But I give Philly fans credit for trying something different. But I give most of the credit to Trey Turner because he turned it around and he kept it going for a long stretch. Tobias hasn't shown that he's capable of keeping anything going for a long stretch. So why would we think it was going to work? And Nick Nurse brought something up. You know, he says, you know, I just want him to uh, let it come to him a little bit. Uh, and I certainly want him to do other things. He's still got to defend and rebound and draw offense for other people, set screens, make sure it's not trying to get out of the slump. And then he goes and says, and I think he's doing that. And mm. I just want to know which Tobias Harris Nick Nurse is watching because that was my biggest complaint is that he's not defending. He's not rebounding. He's not doing the other things outside of scoring. And that's why the, the slump is so frustrating. And look, I know Nick Nurse has to stand up for his guy. He's He says the first part and says, but I think he's doing that. Like you're almost contractually required to do that as a coach if you want to keep the locker room. I get it. I'm not. But man, if you could just do something to make an imprint on the game, that's not dependent on the ball going in the basket. Because right now nobody has any kind of faith that the ball is actually going to go in the basket and he's not doing any coaches do that all the time plus nurse coming from toronto with the reputation of throwing his players under the bus publicly 
He had to say what he had to say. It did almost seem like he said the first thing, which was really like, I like you need to do this. And then realize what he was doing. And go, oh, but I think he's actually exactly. Doing that. Yeah. And then it goes back to as you say all of that, the sequence that we were watching in real time, where everybody else was jumping for the basketball except for him, and then other people saw it too. You see, that's you see one that deserved clips? a boo. Yeah, exactly. No, no round of applause right. for that. Nonsense. I mean, all we saw it in the moment. We talked about it during the post game show, and again, we appreciate everybody coming out to the check to hang out with us and watch it and yell like we did in that moment and driving us crazy. The amount of clips that I saw after the fact that they, they saw what we saw when he, it's hard to hide out there. Tyrese Maxey, Kyle Lowry, Jalen Brown, everybody else, but him. And it it was, it was amazing. Look, it's not like in football where sometimes you have to wait for the all 22 to see like, well, that guy (laughs) messed up a route. That's like, that camera is on you, dude. On a bat in a basketball game, you cannot hide from. And to build just a quick thing after what Derek said, I do think Sixers fans in general have been good in the last five to seven ish, whatever amount of years. Markel Fultz ident- made a layup, and he pretty much got a standing ovation. And identifying like these guys, alive. this guy needs support right now. Yes. Markel comes back. Ben Simmons right up until. The it was impossible to ignore game seven, the Trey young non dunk or layup play. <laughs> he was getting applause at the free throw line, despite stinking it the fuck up. Like this has been a supportive fan base. This is not a team that's or a, a group that's coming to games. That's trying to run these guys out of their own building. Their home court advantage has been awesome for the last. Yep seven years or whatever it is that Joel Embiid has been active and playing for this team. So look, people applaud, whatever. Great. I, I just, I don't think it matters. And the point is we've already been here with him before. Yeah. That's the thing for him to say what he said the last time where he was booed and he came out publicly and he called out the fans and all of that. Remember when he mouthed it after making the shot, don't clap now and all that stuff. It's like, Come on, man. And we fucking we, sassy. Yeah, we, we've been here already with him. So that's why it's one of those deals when it comes to Tobias Harris. Man, just go hoop, man. Go drop 30 on the Charlotte Hornets and leave no doubt until a week man, later. Man, if he doesn't have a good game against Charlotte, we're <laughs> we're looking at a long march, hey, fellas. Man, do we need to provide an over-under for that one, even Oof. since we don't have a pregame tomorrow? We'll, we'll see about that one. I lost uh, that one. Yeah, yeah, we'll sit out that one. All right, man. Also, some news that jumped out over the last two days uh, about the Sixers was the arena Speaking piece. Of self-inflicted wounds that aren't the Tobias Harris contract. Yeah, man, the, the arena piece. So the 76th place is what has been a big topic of conversation as the Sixers try to uh, get the uh, new arena greenlit and in Center City, which you can all have your opinions on it, but it was a video that came out that was produced uh, by them that asked a lot of Celtics fans about having their arena downtown. And how it worked out for them, how they feel about their downtown arena, and how that might look for the Sixer fans here by 20, what is it, 30, 2030 here in Philadelphia, potentially getting that arena. And I know Kyle, you has Kyle and Derek, you both have some thoughts on on the the video that was produced once again by the organization and asking Celtic fans that question. <laughs> Okay, so this whole arena thing in general, I, people ask me about this a, and ask all of us about this a good good bit. And I I normally say my stance is ambivalent. Like I'm not, they got to build a new arena and they got to be downtown or they have to stay. I don't, I'm not over the moon about got to save those fucking parking lots in South Philadelphia. Like I don't give a shit. Like that doesn't really matter to me and truth be told i wish we were more of a public transportation take the train downtown to the game do all that kind of city and we're not and that's a a bigger conversation i also am just like unbelievably annoyed that the two sides you have to pick between here are the billionaire owners of the sixers and fucking comcast one of the most (laughs) evil corporations in the existence of the world so also screwed up one or two of our shows. Thank you, Comcast. That's a whole different conversation. <laughs> like the, it's so cynical. Like the whole thing, the the PR war between both sides is so ridiculous. Like the Sixers are making their push, and then Comcast, who had this vision for Xfinity Live, 
12 years ago that never came to fruition. Now that the Sixers are trying to move, Comcast is sitting there like, hey, look at these new this new vision for what the new Xfinity Live is going to look like. Like, great, man. You you promised that a decade ago, and you still haven't done shit. So, like, I don't care. All that being said, <laughs> asking Celtics fans what they like about their arena has to be one of the most tone-deaf things I have seen this organization do in a long time. It's a very easy way to make that video. Sixers fans who are in the area – who traveled to Boston for the game, you just do man on the street like, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about the idea of taking the train to the arena, having all this nice stuff, restaurant options, bars, whatever? It's the most easy 90-second to two-minute video you could put together, and they still somehow screwed it up. Like, I don't know how that makes it to full production, right? Like, I understand you go through the idea process with We've had some ideas for shows and clips and what have you here where we sit here and we ultimately say, well, that's a shitty idea and we throw it out. I don't know what kind of focus group or group of people sat together and watched the final version of that product and said, you know what? That's what's going to hit go. with our fans. That's I, a like, go. I don't know how that happens. I don't know how you do that. I think it was just, it's just stupid. Like it's not harmful it's going to make more people talk about the arena project in a bad way, which again, I don't really care one way or another. We'll see how they ultimately resolve this. I just thought it was such an avoidable mistake that like any, and it's, they have people in the ownership group that are connected to the city. This is not, these aren't just like carpetbagger out of towner type people swooping in like, Hey, they were, they're going to care about what the Celtics think. So I don't know how this happened, but just complete nonsense. I think the theory was fine. Go to a city with an arena in the middle of the city, ask them how they like it. Makes perfect sense. No notes. Unfortunately, the execution is where the notes come in from. <laughs> and it was so like, you could not have picked a worse franchise, legitimately any other team in the league, <laughs> not the one that's knocked you out you know, three times here in the last six years, not the one that you have a historical rival against. It was just so obvious. And again, I think Boston makes sense for some reasons, notably the train coming right into the station right there. Yes. Sure. I understand, but the backlash and like, it was just so predictable and so avoidable. Like Kyle said, it doesn't matter. It's harmless for the most part. But don't whine about the lack of support if you're going to try to have Boston's testimonials to sell it. It's just not It's not going to work. If you're going to yeah. try to do it, you could also, even without asking fans, just film a short video of like, here's how easy it is. I'm on the train. Right. I'm at the arena. Now I'm at a bar. Now I'm at the game. Done. Train literally comes minutes. under their arena. It was an easy one to produce just, without... Fans wearing Boston Celtics jerseys involved. I know Devon wasn't happy about this either. <laughs> no, no, I was not. And um, it, it was it was bad, man. And it was hate the Celtics. I've always hated the Celtics. Just, you know, whether, you know, whatever my job is, I've always hated the Celtics. <laughs> and and for them to to go there, I just didn't understand it at all. I, it just didn't need to be done. As Derek said, you can go ask somebody else. You just don't ask them, you know, pay attention to what's going on. You it, There's already enough that's, you know, surrounding this whole thing that's getting too much bad press with it. Don't go do that and and bring them in it because no one gives a damn what the Celtics fans think about uh, what happened, especially on a night where you just lost to that basketball team and it was not good, just not good at all. And one last thing before we get out of here, I want to address um, Sean here in the chat real quick. That uh -oh. Sean Gray saying that, Devon, can you stop saying that Joel Embiid is selfish. And I responded. You guys responded. And, of course, we're teammates, so, you know, we back each other up on this type of stuff. I got your back. Always have each other's back. Sean, I didn't suggest that Joel Embiid was a selfish player. I said others have suggested that, which prompted me to ask my teammates here to just simply their thoughts as a devil advocate to the conversation that we were having because if you've paid attention, what we've done over the last couple of months since I've been back is – not only praise what Joel Embiid has talked about, but also try to simply shoot down national media talking about he's selfish and only wants the MVPs, the scoring titles, all these individual awards. Then when he drops 70, we talk about how he's the best player in the league, should be the MVP again for the second consecutive season. 
We've also discussed how his passing has improved, where he's had season high and career highs and assists, and how he's noticing so many different things when it comes to the double teams that are coming his way. We've also talked about where he has over-dribbled, over-handled over the basketball, taken too many shots where he probably should have basketball because that's just analyzing as analysts that it happens in a 48-minute game where even your best player does dumb shit. So when you do that, you get called out on it. We got so a divine curse. When it comes wow. to that, just pay attention a little bit because – that's not what we said. I'm always hey, honest about it. I'm getting the fine it. jar. You got to put and a penny in the uh, the curse well, jar. So wait, if we're doing that, I got I got to get a second job because this is not going to go well. Yeah. So it's not me because I don't think he's selfish. I've argued the point that he's not selfish, and sometimes I do think he misses a pass here and there because he has tunnel vision on certain things when he's trying to score the basketball. But by no means did I say that he was selfish. We were talking about it because you can't just sit here as a Sixer podcast. We still have a job to do as media to talk about the good and the bad. And there's sometimes some bad things that Joel Embiid does, like going for the streak of continuing to 30 and 10 against the New York Knicks where the game was out of hand. There was no need for that to happen. So please, Sean, <laughs> let's not do that because let's not do that. That's the angriest thing I've seen really Devon since we started the show. He let an S word go. <laughs> Sorry, earmuffs. Yes, earmuffs. <laughs> Provolone Joan earmuffs. The yes. Vince Vaughn in old school. And dude. Sean, Sean said I apologize. Sean, I accept the apology, but just come on, let's not do that. Because I don't do that. Let's uh, not do that. See, really what right. you gotta do, Devon, is just you don't need a monologue. Just type a type seven or eight messages in a row in the chat uh, when Kyle's no, in the middle of no. a thing. So uh, then you'll just make me mad and I'll start <laughs> putting money in the curse jar that I already have deposited too much into. So Sean, I accept the apology, but that needed to be said. All right. <laughs> All right, I did leave the bell in the other room, so we're going to oh, get that's that. That's all right. Yeah, all I right. still got to thank all our people we for do being have to here, thank including all the Sean. Before the bell, we said other things. Do we have any super you. chats before we get out? Oh, oh we one have more? one. Davon asked, "Who would you guys like to fill the roster next season?" I mean, you're gonna have to talk to me after they figure out who the third guy is, if they're who their big ticket acquisition is. That I feel like we've been building up and building up and building up and building up to. Mm -hmm. I would say if I will rephrase Davon and think of a a related question, who might I want to fill the roster now is probably more pertinent. I think Mike Muscala is a good candidate. I think he brings something to the table as a stretch big and, and is firmly not Mo Bamba. So that's a an important distinction he, for a big he, man that they could bring in. He checks all of my not Mo Bamba boxes for sure. <laughs> really fast, really fast. March 1st is the date. Tomorrow is March 1st. If something gets done in terms of a playoff being Somebody's able to play be, in the postseason, it yeah. has to be cut. And Mike Muscala has already been cut, but just wanted to make sure we made that clear for the people watching. And again, and it's waived, not signed. It's waived, not even cleared waivers. You just have to be waived mm -hmm. by tomorrow. So today, leap like, day. Very yeah. important. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's right. Big day in Sixers history, potentially. Yeah. All right. So you had some people that we were still thinking. Yeah. So... Thank you, Sean, for taking the tongue lashing from uh, Devon. Of I need course. anger management. That is, that is now. the most we've ever seen Devon fired That's up. That's what I'm saying. I didn't I, even yell though. I, I don't mind it. it. You did say shit. We have we have the fake Ricky Council who is getting into it. What with up, Rick? In the chat. Thanks for standing up for me, Rick. What up, Rick? We had Mark Jackson and Devon as our super chatters. Thank you very much to both of you. Thank you. We also had quite a few people in the chat. Other than those gentlemen and ladies, we got Dave Doer. SB Cole, Alex McCoy. If they sign Mike Muscala, we got to call him No Bamba. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Coach Lowell Ricketts, Jay the Jungle, Mary Overfield. We got what up, Mary? Rick Morse, Neil Deaver, Trust the PCS. Also, I want to make sure I give – that was Jay of the Jungle who came up with the No Bamba, so I want to give him credit. Hey, he also told me to cheer all the time. What up, Jay? Randy chill, Rubar, Jay. who we My hung bad. out with quite a what bit up, the other night. Rick Morse. We got Jake Firestone. We got our guy, Al. What up, Al? warning. We got Brian Knight. We got my guy, Will. We got Eugene G. Ross. We got Provolone John, front-running fan base, hypothetical man. I'm sure – I don't know if Money Mar has been around today because he's been taking a beating in the chat recently. There was I was some... going to say, I feel like if Money Mar was here, we'd know. We love you, Money Mar, wherever you are, even if you're not in the chat today. The Bull RJ. RJ, what up? Is here with us. Devon Givens, the angriest man in Philadelphia. I need anger right manage now. management classes, Coach <laughs> Lowe says now. My bad. We got right. Kyle Wright. We had Tobias Harris. Tobias. Can't Stand confirm or deny if it's tomorrow, the real man. one. Jack McLeod. We got a few others in here as well, I'm sure. 
Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for being here as always. What if, up, Mark? If you have not, or we got Mark Brooker. I know that's your guy, right? Said I made Sean famous now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to that, Mark, as well. If you're if you're good with Devon, you're good with me. Anybody who hasn't, can you hit that subscribe button for me? And if you hit the bell icon, ding. Oh. oh, there was some kind oh, of thing from Derek over there. I didn't have a chance to listen Al, to the we bell. need the bell icon. L, we need the bell icon. There you, you will go. get send there notifications each and every time we go live. And if you hit the thumbs up button, maybe I won't have so much mucus in my nose by the time we do our next show. Well, and maybe I'll Sean will stop up. talking shit to Devon <laughs> by the time we do the next show. We Post game tomorrow. Also, if we're having a swear jar, Kyle's going to need a raise. Oh, so please hit the, I the need subscribe a big raise. button need so we can get a little more money coming Especially in. Especially not on location. We, we can do that in the studio, not out of We'll be location. back Friday night after Post the Hornets game. game. Love you guys. See you soon. 20 platform to buy us tomorrow. There you no go. No way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all silly like the mayor.